a playlist original. What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to another edition of Grill Chronicles, brought to you by CinematicGrill.com. I'm your host, David. I am joined with today, Mr. Jack Renault. Happy National Cinemas Day. I, can't, I know you can't wait to get to work later. Oh, yes. I uh, can't wait to clean up even more Mario theaters. I thought I was done with that, but apparently they decided, no, I think we want the number one box office spot this year, so let's slam it on back in theaters. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hunter, are you seeing anything today? I will stay in the comfort of my own home and not go into the absolute mess of people. Although I'm glad people are going to the theaters, obviously. For sure. And special guest, it's been a while since the uh, best uh, to the Oscar predictions. Mr. Sean, welcome back. What's happening? Thanks for having me, everybody. Yeah, I saw you comment on my Hitchcock post, and I'm like, my God, how did I not ask Sean to come on one of our Hitchcocks episodes? So <laughs> joining us today is Sean to look back at what once was one of Hitchcock's most underrated and it's now become one of his most beloved rope. Uh, one of my absolute favorite Hitchcock films. So that should be a fun discussion. Before we get into that, let's get into some of the news of the week. A big shift in the Oscar race uh, with uh, a giant Warner Brothers move to, from 2023 to 2024 as King Kong Godzilla The New Empire has moved from 2023 to 2024. The visual effects race is in limbo. Uh, No, yeah, that has moved, but uh, Dune Part 2 has moved, which in turn probably just gave Oppenheimer a couple of Oscars in the bag on Oscar night. Uh, I, I thought this wouldn't happen because of how great the promotion had been placing the Dune trailer in front of Barbie and Oppenheimer. Kind of set it up as the fall movie to see, but, you know, Warner Brothers and the strike, you know, these studio execs are not the smartest in the room, so here we are. Uh, Jack, thoughts? Yeah, no, just like you mentioned, this kind of just shakes up a lot of those tech categories, whether it just means clearing the way for something like Oppenheimer to just sneak through, or maybe uncover some other races that we might not have even considered, so... I think something like score is definitely looking pretty favorable in one way, but something like visual effects now, I really wonder if that could maybe be an open field with maybe something like Spider-Man potentially being in the mix. Interesting. Before we go to you, uh, Hunter and Sean, I, I was doing some, because Hunter has our, our, pull, our brackets up to start uh, submitting, and I was looking at visual effects, and I was looking at correlation with best picture nominees apparently there's starting to be this nice little correlation where look at 1917 very subtle vfx and that takes it home over like the giant spectacle so what a shock me man if now we have dunes out of the picture and we have an oppenheimer vfx win which would be wild but you know we'll see hunter what are your thoughts yeah i I have this. This is an 11 Oscar nominee movie, or at least I predicted that's now out of the race entirely. So I was looking at all the categories like visual effects. Who else is going to come up out of it? Not in terms of winning, but just in terms of nominations. Because pretty much every below the line category, I was like, okay, Kills of Flower Moon, mm-hmm. Oppenheimer, Dune, and then mostly Barbie. I was like, well, that's just pretty much fills the whole category right there. And now there's one less, so it's nicer. So something 
like the color purple comes in or the creator, depending on how that turns out. Not probably going to be well, I don't know, but Napoleon definitely could be one of those if they keep that one. A big $100 million epic could uh, could slot in a few more places. So I'll be uh, curious to see what starts taking the place of the nomination phase. For sure. Uh, Sean, thoughts? At this point, I, I've, I haven't, I've, with respect to Doom Part 2, I expected it to get quite a few nominations in the technicals, but this Oscar race does seem to belong to an Oppenheimer versus Killers of the Flower Moon, and those two are going to battle in an astonishing amount of above and below the line categories, and to a point where like you could really flip a coin on the predictions of them. I mean, who knows what happens in a few months, but like right now, it's really tricky to see who does that. So Doom Part 2 is kind of in this sidecar for me, um, especially because... What what is a part three look like? I know it's like it's a uh, apparently there is going to be a third, but it's like sort of a side story. I haven't read the book, so I don't know the mythos of it all. But and so that like creates a little bit of a problem for all this. So I kind of like the idea of like, hey, we have these trailers now. Let's Top Gun Maverick this thing. So yeah. like people just ruminate <laughs> these trailers for a very long time, mm-hmm. and then it just like explodes in march which i kind of am interested in that for an oscars sort of deal because we always say like oh boy that's a little bit early for oscars that's not the case anymore with oscars man like coda um whatever the other one was um uh, everything ever all at once Mm -hmm. those are coming out early and i think it matters the campaign you run and so i mean that's going to make everything interesting this year because universal does has been running campaigns a little bit old school and so i don't know where that's going to look like for op but uh no we'll see what happens yeah, I, I agree 1,000%. I think this – it's September, so it's foolish for – we all – the four of us know better, but, like, it does feel like – This is the fun of it, though. I know. This, this is, is the exact day is fun. There's The fall festivals are, like, three days away, and then we'll actually know stuff. But this well, does right now we're just like, I have no idea. I have no idea. But then, like, the day before the Oscars, we're all just going to be like, yes, yeah. this is definite. This is definite. <laughs> this yeah. does feel – like, so. I feel – I, I, I want to say – I was talking to Jack about this right before you guys jumped on about, like – Man, is it too sweet that this feels like just a complete Oppenheimer year? Like, it fits, yeah. it checks off so many boxes. I do feel Nolan, that one is actually the, I do feel very confident Nolan's winning director. Like, it's yeah. very, and now especially, I, I feel it. Like, the whole, we already got you, Marty. Nolan, we haven't gotten to you yet. We can get to Marty in another area. Feels very. It feels too easy though. Yeah, That's my problem though. It feels like yeah. such a such an early front runner. I'm like something's yeah. maybe gonna come along. And yeah. obviously, the whole point of it is we just don't know what that is, and that's that's what happens every year. Well, and everyone always has. They did this last year with Spielberg and the Fablemans, and they're doing it this year with Scorsese, where they're just like, but but he hasn't won in a while, yeah, and it's like, who cares? He's got an Oscar on his mantle. I mean, yeah, cool. I'd love to see him win multiple, and you know, Spielberg has won multiple. I don't care if they're in the '90s. He's like, he's a master. These two are synonymous with filmmaker already. Nolan is as well, and yet has only been nominated once, which is still like a weird, mm-hmm. weird stat. And so I think that that like th- that alone is a is a, this dude's due. Plus, he just Nolan, who I always like, kind of imagined, especially after like the Tenet release, I've imagined him as a bit of a prick. Did an amazing job uh, campaigning, like not campaigning, mm-hmm. uh, promoting. Um, on his own, answering all those stupid, dumb questions from all the media outlets where you could tell he was a little bit pissed, (laughs) but he also had a good time. And so I'm like, this is the guy versus like Ridley Scott, who if he's ending up like, you know, the only guy that's going to campaign for Napoleon, that movie's screwed. (laughs) (laughs) The unfriendliest guy around. So 
I mean, I love the idea of like, you know, Nolan campaigning. And I think he, like, this was a good practice for him to like, you know, oh yeah, you have to do stupid bull crap. And, yeah. yeah, I agree. And, and he can take it like the route Joaquin took it. He's like, I only got to do this one time. Let me just ride it out for a season. I know I got this Oscar unlock and then we can, we can say goodbye to it. But uh, one last note on this. I mean, it opens up some possibilities in Best Picture now with, uh, now, I feel more risk can be taken in terms of early predictions. Like I was talking about some specific risks of an air, a yeah. Ferrari. Those two, like I mean, I've already, I was already feeling good with the buzz with Ferrari with Neon and A twenty four and a bidding war for this movie, mm-hmm. especially because it's those two studios. I feel like yep. all right, this may, actually may be something. And listen, anyone Hunter and you may I know this show, but I know Jack and Hunter know. Like I'm a fucking Michael Mann stand. So, mm-hmm. but the only thing that, that hurts me is he's only been embraced once. And that was 1999 for the insider. And it's first like, best movie. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, there, there's so many great ones. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's going to be interesting, but I, I, I hope I can't wait to see it at New York Film Festival. I can't wait to see the reaction to that Venice, but yeah, right now I'm looking at like, weird shit like what can i throw against the wall and stick like air feels so like academy friendly right now that well air is one of those where that studio is compensating everyone properly Mm -hmm. um with that and that's Mm -hmm. that that's something that behind the scenes like every all workers of hollywood are going to look at that very favorably and they're going to say they they should be promoting the hell out of that because of that be like look we actually did a good movie by the books or by ethical standards that's that's the other not honestly and and that's pretty much the other thing too like i've kind of been thinking back on like what could still get pushed and like what movies could in effect like have already been out and like have generated buzz like that's why i wouldn't be surprised to see something like are you there god it's me margaret maybe pop up in like a screenplay please get it a screenplay um, just, I, yeah. I know it's gonna get nothing else McAdams screenplay just just try mm-hmm. those please yeah. get those in are, are we yeah. ready to discuss the possibility of two oppy boys in supporting actor as kind who, of like who would a, be the who would be the second? Well, here's the reason I bring that up is because we can give Matt Damon his like full year. You had Air, mm. you had Oppenheimer. Let's get you into supporting. You may not, you're not going to win. Robert Downey Jr. is going to win, but it's more on when the, he and you. He would go supporting for, or he would he, nah, would he go lead he'd, he'd for lead. he'd be leading he'd be Air. He's a leader. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So supporting probably. Yeah, like, uh, so I think Damon's great in Oppenheimer. I think the problem is he's a utility man in Oppenheimer, and they don't stand out. And so I think, like, his performance, you know, with the great phrasing, supports the movie very well. Mm -hmm. And so for that, it probably deserves to be on there with Downey. But Downey's the one that's just standing out. And it's even funny because he has the subtleties in it, but he just, like, he just kind of emits off the screen so well. It makes me laugh um, so much in Oppenheimer. Yeah, I I, I I desperately want there to just be like I know it can never happen in a million ways. Just a light campaign for David Crummels. I think he deserves a light <laughs> campaign. Just give me a light campaign for David Crummels. It, it won't ha- he's not even going to be able to win a SAG because apparently he's his uh, yeah. he, he uh, shares. I, I'd wonder like what is his actual run to, like screen time in the movie? It's pretty low, but it's I, great. Under ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yo, it's to low. be to be. A- I think Sean would be the only one that would get this. To be able to say Bernard has an Oscar nomination would probably be. The best. I mean, I'm so I've always said this is Bernard versus Ten Things I Hate About You. Like I've got a dick on my face, don't I? There's, yeah. There's just there's cinematic magic behind this guy. I remember <laughs> when I first saw Ten Things I Hate About You, and I'm like, is that fucking Bernard with a cock? 
cock on his face. I'm like, oh my god, it's, what what how times have changed. But yeah, I can't oh, I can't wait to see where the uh, where the race goes from here. So, um, let's get into what we watched this week. I actually don't have that much. Maybe like twenty things to talk about. Not, nothing too crazy. But Jack, what do you got to start? Uh, let's see. So. Also did a little, couple other Hitchcock movies along with Rope. A rewatch Psycho, still a masterpiece. Did you see the, Got, the extended cut? I did, and I did not notice anything <laughs> different. Um, it was probably like something like a little add-on to a moment that I like has nothing to do with like the main like legitimate movie or whatever. But still great. Uh, I still am of the belief that there should be an SNL sketch that has Marion by the car super rushed and then it breaks down and then just yells at the fucking salesman for the last <laughs> five minutes. Um, rewatched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for the first time in a few years. Three. Go, go start. Two, go start. Uh, we, <laughs> I, I, as I said in my letterbox review, two clubs were joined with this most recent rewatch. Welcome. The, the five star club which I'm yet to see you in Dave so you should get there and the fucked grandpa Joe club because yeah. god damn I told you man that fucking I, guy's the I, biggest I piece of always, shit I, I will always disagree with you with Mayor Vaughn and Mr. Potter but this is where we will come to agreements with uh, which characters actually suck in movies um, yeah he stole the fizzy lifting drinks and Charlie still was the good guy at the end of the movie, so... Have they announced the casting for Grandpa Joe in the Wonka prequel coming up? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I hope he is, because David's instantly just going to be, like, in the front row taking notes, just like, yeah. okay. My I big... he's just as old. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, he's still old. There's, like, I mean, this is for another podcast, so I won't, I won't dive too much into this, but the man's... How much money does he spend on cocaine? Like, his nails are ready for cocaine. Oh, yeah. So the man can't look the man doesn't get out of bed. The man can't help sees his daughter struggling. The man uses the only, the only reason he says he doesn't get out of the bed is because the floor is too damn cold. <laughs> Watch the movie. That's the only God. thing he says that has to do with why he's not out of the bed walking. <laughs> and you wonder why Willie's a Willie's a fucking asshole to, to to him towards the end of the movie. He's like he knows. And then at the end he still wins because he gets to leave his fucking crummy old house and then he gets to move into the chocolate factory. If I was Charlie, I would have fucking kicked him to the curb. Kick, he deserves a good kick in the pants, would you say? A good oh, kick yes. in the pants. <laughs> uh, and then with school back, I usually pull up a good sitcom while I do homework just to have in the background. So I'm glad Sean's here because I know he's also a fan of this show and maybe he can help me again trying to convince Dave to watch Community. Uh, yeah, the first few episodes, yeah, I get it, but man, once they start doing the pop culture stuff, like, once they hit the Goodfellas parody, I think you're in, Dave. It's a good, solid comedy, and then halfway through season one, it's like, oh, this is for movie nerds, and yes. kind of, like, scary, so. <laughs> so, uh, Sean, I, to, to give you a background, I've only seen three episodes, and I stopped there, really. I think we need to curate, like, I think you might have a good idea of the characters now. Once you have a good idea of the characters, I think you can kind of just free roam some early episodes to, like, once you realize, like, what the show's actually capable of, I think you want to watch more. Because there's an episode at the end of season one 
called Modern Warfare, and well, goddamn, you just call them the, the the paintball episodes have been what like put that show on the map. Yes. They're the reason that show works. I do think that the Chicken Fingers uh, Mafia Goodfellas episode is the one that like that's where like I saw the turn happen, and mm-hmm. then like paintball was just icing on the cake. And but there's something great. Yes, yes. I, I, I think, yeah, those first few episodes are definitely a bit more mundane, kind of just get used to the characters. But once you see what they really go into, man, it, it changes. Awesome. Uh, Hunter, what do you got? Uh, two new movies. Golda, the Golda My Ear biopic-ish, kind of. I don't know. It's not very good, and it really doesn't do much about her. So what does it matter, I guess? Uh, it's like Lincoln's in like Darkest Hour. It's like examine big political figure during crisis moments and the problem is i am not familiar with the yom kippur war or anything <laughs> around israel so which obviously i could read about but so this is they're like saying stuff i'm like i don't know what's happening it's probably bad i guess so but it's also just i don't know a movie with no real depth so it's fine and then uh, other one i saw gran turismo which i actually liked what i was shocked i'm so happy you liked it i was like let's go i was like three quarters way through i was like wait a damn second i'm liking this like i didn't think i was going to and this is like i'm sitting up in my lounge chair during racing scenes this is insane literally i was like we're on the sixth racing scene i don't know why but yet i'm still entertained (laughs) so i guess it's good uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, and I did love the uh, use of Moby at the end because oh. I totally forgot you mentioned it. I was like, oh yeah, this part. Yeah, there is one really embarrassing part of the movie though. I, I obviously it's still out, so it's it's uh, spoiler. But there's an accident that happens, and I'm like, okay, bro. I guess, so. When that thing happened, Hunter, I was like, well, that fucking came out of absolutely nowhere. I literally was- started laughing. I just had to hold myself laughing. It's so like, okay, I guess. <laughs> so, but I think the rest of the movies. Uh, other ones I saw. They're still doing the Harry Potter marathons. We did Prisoner of Azkaban. Thank you, Alfonso Cuaron. Same thing <laughs> Chris Columbus. Mediocrity. I needed a good filmmaker, actually. This is it's like it's like community. They had a couple bad episodes. Like, okay, now we've hit our stride here. Is that the only one like, you saw? Or are you still? Uh, they're doing it one a week. So every Monday I go. Got so it. Tomorrow's Goblet of Fire. So this is I'll the turn to David Yates, I believe. So Yates starts fire, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is this no, is that's Mike like Newell. Mike Newell. Yeah. So some Mike Newell. Guy. When and does Yates start? Yates starts at like Order of the Phoenix. Five. Yeah. So yeah. The, from Order yeah. of the Phoenix on, you have David Yates. <laughs> and hasn't yeah. been able to escape. Since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. I'm seeing it. Yeah. See this new film at TIFF, but I'm like, I don't know. So we'll see what <laughs> happens. What does he do? Finally free. Uh, continue my best picture at all the king's men i do like it pretty good it's pretty good yeah i i do like that it's it's now dated so much because this guy's a bad politician yet he still builds roads and hospitals so i'm like i don't know it's not too bad in 2023 (laughs) (laughs) still get shit done (laughs) it's like he abuses power but like i don't know it's not that bad. Uh, I always look then, at that as like politics is the enemy, which makes me happy. I'm like, you know, oh yeah, like he's a he's a nice, lovely human, but then becomes a horrible person because yeah. of politics. Yeah, like, yeah. I, that's how I look at yeah. it, at least. Yeah. And then uh, my friends and I, we were playing games. We when we ever do a movie night on like Saturday, we don't start the movie till like one a.m. So we watched Two Guns, the Denzel Washington, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg movie. Because we were like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Because we all love Denzel Washington, so we're fine. And it's fine. It's a whatever movie. I just. I watched it at one thirty a.m. last night. I don't care. Nice. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. Sean, so what about it. you? Do you have anything you'd like to highlight? I did a little bit catching up because I was on, on vacation uh, the week before. Um, and so I did some of the August catch-up. Um, last Voyage of the Demeter is getting shit on. 
I liked this movie. I thought it was a very fun, goofy monster movie, and I'm just a huge fan of the Nosferatu legend. I mean, according to the Nosferatu legend, though, no one should have survived the ship, and so that always like <laughs> give, that. I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew they weren't going to have the guts to do that. Yeah. But, like, and so I, it obviously loses itself in the end. But I thought it was better than its uh, reception. Um, after that, I watched, uh, oh yeah, uh, The Pope's Exorcist. Um, so did only I! It was on <laughs> Same here. Wow. <laughs> I mean, listen, Russell Crowe is having fun, but there's such a thing as too much fun, and he is, th- this was, this movie was a mess. It, it just solidifies that I just don't like, it, with the exception of The Exorcist. Exorcism movies don't scare me. Like, a, a kid with scratched up face and a deep voice is not scary to me. I, I want it to be. I want to get scared, but just does not but work. But did you appreciate him on a Vespa? Because I did. See, when I saw him, I'm like, okay, so this is hit, this is like, you know, this guy is obviously in real life ridiculous, and so they put him on the Vespa. He probably rode the Vespa everywhere, and he was ridiculous then as well. So I, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, I, I saw nonstop, um, and in like the world of Liam Neeson action movies, this one actually like see like this was like right in like the thick of like him making like two or three a mm-hmm. year, and this is a great one. He plays a U.S. Air Marshal who gets a text saying, like, you know, I'm going to kill someone on this flight. And just after watching Hijack, I'm already like, you know, okay, like, I'm, I'm, I, maybe I like garbage uh, plane movies. I, I don't know what it is, or whatever they call it on the big picture, um, Garbage Sky or something. Um, I it, it was it was dumb, but solid. Um, Red, White, and Royal Blue, good, solid uh, romantic comedy. Um, starts a little bit rocky, starts a little bit hallmarky, but then once it hits its stride, I, I did quite enjoy that one a little bit. Uh, Blue Beetle, um, everything that wasn't the superhero stuff was great, which isn't a good thing for a superhero movie. <laughs> um, like, I loved everything Sorry. else about it except for the superhero stuff, which that's that's a problem, but that's where I am with that one. Um, Heart of Stone, skip. Um, <laughs> yep. Then, uh, Did you see it, Hunter? <laughs> Did you see it, Hunter? No, oh. no, I I did the whole skip thing. I watched the trailer. I was like, nah, yeah, no, it's, no. Uh, it's so bad. It's, it's bad. I, I, I will say the one thing that counts for it is did not see the first act twist coming, but then there's nothing else that's decent. I was like, like I, I, it was a fun two seconds of, Hey, that's cool. And then everything else was garbage. Like it was a rough Isn't one. Glenn out. close in that movie. Yeah, she well, is. Was, I, I I missed her. Cause I blinked. Um, oh. and, oh. uh, then I think, uh, Grand Turismo we already talked about. And last night, Oh, a few actually, um, you're so not invited to my bat mitzvah, which, um, I, hmm. Okay, dumb Adam Sandler humor has started to get stale for me, but it really works in a high school setting, surprisingly, where it's like, now I want Adam Sandler to write and produce and make high school movies because, like, they it actually, like the, like, the dumb, stupid stuff that kids do in high school actually works in that. So for that, like, for that alone, the, the movie's not great, but, like, for that alone, his humor seems to have found this new home that I like. Um, BS High was an interesting documentary about the, I believe it's called the yes. Bishop Sheehan High School. yep. Mm. They have the guy that like orchestrates it, and he's the main uh, character. Um, and uh, 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 Trayvon or Tavon Free uh, directs it, who uh, got an Oscar for the short film um, uh, on Netflix from a few years ago that I can't remember right now. Um, but uh, the best, oh no, I'm not going to try to remember it. Um, but uh, he he does a great job with this, like letting the guy just simply talk the whole time and incriminate himself constantly. And he's a very unstable individual, so it was great to watch him there. One more, I promise. Uh, Deep Blue Sea. Yes. Never seen it. I, I gotta oh. say, like I, 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 I despise the description of so bad it's good, but this is exactly so where that good, movie belongs, so and it works here. Yeah. It works yeah. so well here. Like you know, obviously the effects of the sharks are terrible, but when they do the practical ones, it works. It's a good solid setup of a monster movie that I've seen before. L Cool J is playing 
like eight different characters somehow, and all of them are the same person. And it's like there, there's a certain level of blast in this. And you know, obviously, it's very famous the way like Samuel L. Jackson, uh, you know, goes out. Yeah. And out. <laughs> well, it's such a great move at the time. It was very, as you mentioned before, not to compare these movies in any other way, but Psycho, where like he was the star of this and he was the main character, and like he has the inspirational speech, and then gets eaten by a shark. Just like a plus work right there. Love that. Um... For me, uh, started watching season three of The Morning Show about five episodes in. I hate that show usually. Uh, <laughs> I can't really say much except I'm glad they, sh- they changed showrunners. That's all I'll say for now. Okay. Um, I saw this is a it started to get to spooky season. So I went through every well, not every single the majority of the Universal Monster movies. And I can confirm they are not for me. Uh Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, and anything with Abbott and Costello is kind of where my peak is. Dracula is boring as sin. The Mummy is boring as sin and also not good. Creature from the Black Lagoon, I feel like I'm watching a Nat Geo doc for 80 minutes. Um, Which is why it's cool. <laughs> Back up with you, man. It's like, that's some cool stuff in yeah. Creature of the Black Lagoon. And, I love that and one. Like, usually I love the 50s. I, obviously it wasn't in the 50s, but like the 50s uh, campy creature design uh, from the era, but I think it looks a little silly. The end is very, very silly. Uh, I know I know Jack's big on Creature from the Black Lagoon, so I'm sorry, Jack. Top, like, top ten poster of all time right there. Oh, I love the underwater Ow. scenes, though. Like, the filming of the yeah, movie underwater. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> um, I also stayed in the, in the lagoon, or, no, I went to the, from the lagoon to the swamp with, uh, I saw Wes Craven's Swamp Thing for the first time uh, from 1982, Adrian Barbeau. Uh, and Ray Wise, Jack, plays Swamp Thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, eh, eh, whatever. Uh, then I saw The Return of the Swamp Thing, which the funny thing about The Return of the Swamp Thing is with Heather Locklear. The villain of the first one was killed off in the first one, but he returns in the second one when, like, nothing happened. Like, absolutely nothing happened. Uh also saw this movie called The Final Terror on Shudder, uh, 1983, where a group of friends head out for what is expected to be a vacation, hiking, camping for a good time, uh, when a backwoods mama finds them and becomes anything but a vacation. Um, mama? That's what it's called. That's what the villain is called. But this like a is person? This is directed <laughs> by the director of a movie we covered in June, The Fugitive, Andrew Davis. Uh, <laughs> um, <a> cat. <laughs> it was it was something uh, I, I did some doc watching I saw Untold Swamp uh, Swamp Kings about the Florida college football team and oh yeah I saw a movie you, so you just you were in a swamp mood you yeah like, oh, yeah, yeah. Football, uh, yeah it doesn't matter if it's football it's that algorithm goes final. really specific on <laughs> and, and then the uh, the last three here uh, I saw a movie I've been wanting to see for years but it was impo- it, uh, it's don't believe it's on Blu-ray and never streamed. Starring Jack Nicholson, directed by Danny DeVito. I saw Hoffa uh, for the first time. I've always wanted to see that. It's on Hulu if you want to see it now. Um, I know nobody really likes it though. Is the problem? It's interesting. So, I kind of dig it. I like DeVito's direction. I don't know what the fuck Jack Nicholson was doing in this movie. Like, I look at Al Pacino playing Hoffa, and I'm like, all right, this is like pretty perfect. And then I see, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck he did with his voice in this movie, Jack Nicholson. And then the ending of the movie, it's completely 
historically inaccurate. Like they they literally kill yeah. like I'll put it this way, they literally kill Hoffa in public. Like there was yeah. probably like ten, fifteen people there that could have seen him get killed and yeah. like nothing. And yeah, it, it, it was it was in one of the most beautiful final shots ever with I the did beautiful like that. crescendo yep. music as yep. the truck is going away. Which is just <laughs> like kind of like are we supposed to be like happily moved? I don't understand. <laughs> Totally we know. Um, and then the last two, I saw Bottoms, which I absolutely loved. Uh, I, I put, I'm like, great, Bottoms greater than Fight Club. Um, it's, I fucking adored it. The comedy wasn't there as much as I expected it to be, but I still thought there was, it was pretty LOL loud. Uh, and then finally, I saw a documentary this morning that I thought Jack had not seen, and I was pretty excited to talk to him about it until I saw that he had logged it. I've been wanting to see this since 2018, 2019, but unfortunately it was not available anywhere. Directed by Alexandre O. Felipe, Memory, The Origins of Alien. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty good. Pretty yeah. damn good. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say, yeah, if you have Alien in your like, top like 10 like I do, you're just going to absolutely adore it pretty did not know they ripped the entire movie off that 1950s movie it the terror from beyond space because it's literally That's, literally, it's literally alien. Um, except, except with cool sets yeah man <laughs> but pretty pretty damn good i had i had a good time with it uh highly recommend it if you guys haven't seen it so yep and that i is, do res- i do respect Spec the movies of the 70s and 80s where they're just ripping off 50s movies, but like oh, yeah. bad 50s movies. They're like, hey, we'll improve upon them at least, you know? Well, this is what Tarantino always says when like we always think he makes these original ideas and then like you hear him and he's like, oh no, I got this like from the back of the movie store basement and like, you know, like nobody yeah. has ever seen this movie before, but I just completely stole the entire story. It's, from it's it. funny, like Reservoir Dogs is very, it's essentially Kubrick's The Killing, but just not as good yes. as The Killing, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, that wraps up what I watched this week. Uh, let's get into why we are here. Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. 85 years, right, Jack? Did I get that one right? 75. 75, 75 years. Yes. Um, one of, at one point, one of Hitchcock's most underrated. Now it's one of his most beloved. Uh, it's the second of Hitchcock's limited settings film. Uh, the first mm-hmm. being Lifeboat, which I highly, highly recommend. <laughs> I love Lifeboat. Um, the original play was said to be inspired by the real-life murder of a 14-year-old boy, Bobby Franks, in 1924 uh, by University of Chicago students Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. First viewing of this movie. I know this one's a, one that a lot of people caught later in their Hitchcock dive. So, Jack, I'll start with you. First viewing of Rope. Yeah, no, it was during... Um... It was when I started to dive more into Hitchcock. Like, by this point, I had already seen his kind of Mount Rushmore, essentially, of his filmography, that being Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo, North by Northwest. So around this time was when I was watching, like, his kind of, like, next step, uh, like, greatest hits, like, Notorious to Catch a Thief, Rebecca, and Rope was one of them. Um And, yeah, it's just, I think, a movie that it's pretty much just bare-bones Hitchcock, and I think it's kind of just the movie that kind of... It might be the movie that best kind of encapsulates, like, the movies that he makes. Like, he talks about... um, He'd often kind of differentiate, like, suspense and surprise in interviews with this whole kind of, like, setting of, like, a bomb and how, like, if a bomb explodes, like, under a table, it's just surprise. But if, like, we know that it's there, then we have the suspense. 
this movie is essentially like a depiction of that because like if we they talked about wanting to like not show the murder at the beginning at the beginning of the movie but if we didn't see the murder then that would just kind of change the rest of the movie so it's just an hour and 20 of complete like tension and it's the first of four bangers starring Jimmy Stewart my favorite actor so it's definitely a movie that I go back to more now than I did then, so it has continually gone up in like the amount of times I rewatch. Awesome. What about you, Hunter? Uh, I think the first time I watched this was 2020, so it was COVID, and this was like Jack after I'd seen pretty much the the Vertigo, the Rear Window, the Psycho, and North by North. So this is like the sixth Hitchcock movie I'd seen or something, and you know he'd been the master of suspense, but I had never felt it myself. <laughs> I, I, I could totally ag- agree with people saying that, but I was like, I'm just not feeling it. And then it was like, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. I was like, well, it's 80 minutes long. I'll see it then. It's half the reason I did. I said, fuck it. And then I watched, it, I was like, holy shit. I, it clicked. It finally happened. It is. Yes. The most suspenseful movie I've ever seen. And this was like maybe th- when it, I saw, so at 1917 was like January of 2020 technically i guess and this was like march or april like right when COVID happened so i was in that long take kind of mood and then mm-hmm. this this was like hitchcock doing a long take that's you know a man who's could always put the camera in the right place but let's just give him total freedom and uh it's i i was so happy we were doing this podcast i'll tell you that especially after last week where i was not a nice <laughs> <laughs> sean what about you I mean, uh, yeah, the first time I saw this was in, uh, like, uh, college. Uh, I took a film minor, and so I, like, um, was able to get my uh, pretentious degree. And, um, <laughs> it, like, so, so, of course, I'm sitting there while someone is, like, breaking down rope, and I'm just like, yes, 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 and before I could ever, ever form the mise en scène. Not letting anyone in film school continue. Like, you know, like, it, it's, it's fun, but then also enjoy bad movies as well once you get out of film school. Like, you know, so <laughs> have that good balance, too anybody who's still in film school now um i'll i'll say i I absolutely love this this is uh close to top tier hitchcock for me which is just so damn unfair because like you said that mount rushmore Mm -hmm. like uh, every other day it's a different number one for me i don't have a conviction at all and i can't it's like physically impossible for me to so um it's like just below that for me but not for any reasons that lack its own um i mean yeah this is the one take movie and this is like the funnest way they did the one take movie in my opinion because you know you get stuff like birdman in 1917 which are fine films i'm, I'm not a big birdman guy but um like this is something where they're not he's not really doing it for the gimmick he's doing it for the visual storytelling for the claustrophobic nature and it's it's so like there's that ticking bomb here and what's really like the morbid curiosity which you know obviously hitchcock loves his morbid his morbid nature for an audience is you're rooting for murderers you're rooting for people that murdered for sport too and because you you're figuring out how they get away with it and then of course jimmy stewart comes in and steals the show and then all of a sudden you're rooting for him because he's jimmy stewart um and you you start to just automatically love him immediately but yeah, these two, you're terrified for them. When they have the uh, meal on the table, you're terrified. When you know they're going through the uh, the amazing swinging door and as, as they're disposing mm-hmm. of it, that's mm-hmm. the only way you could go to a different room. It's mm-hmm. just great. And I think there's just so much visual innovation. I think it was Hitchcock that said it. I forget, but like you know, you should be able to watch a movie on mute. I think you could watch this movie on mute, and it would be like pretty solid. There's a couple of you know, there's there's dialogue in there where they explain themselves, but you don't even need that. And this could be a completely mute filled movie, and uh, th- those are the marks of something great. Yeah, I'm with you 100. percent I I want to start off by saying this: I don't really like. I very seldom seldomly like transitions from play to screen, 
I think this mm. is one, if not the best transition from play to screen. Um, it's essentially a play on screen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. They didn't. They didn't. They they could have just been out this on the stage just doing this. He wouldn't have noticed at all. For me, it took me a while to find this. Uh, was seldomly available. Uh, I in 2014, 2013, 2014, I was able to purchase this European release of Hitchcock films on reels they were actually released on reels and it's uh about, about like 12 13 they're becoming obsolete now because everything's on 4k that set is almost obsolete but it's just it was just cool to have at the time but it yeah it's um you guys echoed everything that i felt originally and it was one for i saw the 2013 2014 it was one of those that i had to tell a lot of people early on i'm like hey like have you seen rope they're like oh what's rope i'm like oh it's a hitchcock movie oh I didn't know it existed, and now it's yeah. like you can't find anyone that doesn't like Rope. Over the last couple of years, though, because I feel like the movie raises a lot of great philosophical questions about class, this movie, after watching Succession, <laughs> this movie has a lot of feels of like of the, what can the rich get away with? Because mm-hmm. like watching Succession, I feel like the Logans do everything they can and test every out every source of what they can do and get away with it and i think obviously in this movie we're looking at murder can the can the wealthy get away with murder is essentially like one of the philosophical questions that are asked and it's it's not my number four hitchcock i absolutely love it um in terms of the production of the movie it's considered his most hitchcock's most most experimental and one of the most interesting experiments ever attempted by a major director working with big box office names, uh, abandoning many standard film techniques to allow for a long, unbroken scene. Each shot ran continuously for up to 10 minutes without interruption. It was shot on a single set, aside from the opening establishing shot street scene, which Jack and I joked is probably the only use of the score in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Stewart found the whole process highly exasperating, saying... The really important things being rehearsed here is the camera, not the actors. Much later, Stewart said of the film, it was worth trying. Nobody but Hitch would have tried it, but I don't think it really worked. I usually agree with Jimmy. This is not it. <laughs> I won't lie. This is something that, like, uh, the, the people that criticize Hitchcock, which I don't normally, like, agree with them, but he just, obviously, as we've seen from behind the scenes, he's not an actor's director at all. Like he, mm-hmm. And so sometimes the performances are sacrificed. I once again don't totally agree with this, but I, lo- I love when I heard that criticism where it's like, oh, he focuses on filmmaking more than performances, more than character, more than actors. So the actors have to work a bit harder. And so I like that idea here because, yeah, of course, like when you said that, it's like, oh, yeah, he was focusing more on the camera. I was like, buddy, you've been in other Hitchcock films. <laughs> this dude don't care about you. <laughs> well, not at that point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I, oh, God. So I'm surprised he went back to him or maybe Hitchcock yeah. was like, look, look, it's not a long take you can come back don't worry <laughs> listen you're gonna be questioning some moral you're, sexuality you're, points listen you're, i've got you're i've be, got grace kelly sitting, you're gonna be sitting in one room you're not gonna be moving you're yeah. gonna be in a wheelchair you're just oh, gonna yeah. sit there <laughs> and grace kelly's gonna fawn over you just sign the paper <laughs> just do it just get your... the the I, I was able to locate i mean pretty easy to locate now but like the, the segments of the way the film was shot. So mm-hmm. it was it was segmented into 10 different parts. The first segment was 9 minutes and 34 seconds, and the finish was a blackout on Brandon's back. The second mm-hmm. was from 7.51 to 11.59. The finish was a uh, close-up of Kenneth, what do you mean? Then we have a 7 minutes and 19. 
the uh, blackout on Kenneth's back as the as the end shot. Seven minutes to twenty seven minutes. Uh, end on this one is a close up of Philip. That's a lie. Uh, from segment five ends at thirty four minutes. Blackout on Brandon's back. Uh, segment six ends at forty four minutes. It's a three shot. Segment seven ends on blackout on Brandon at fifty one minutes. The last three. Uh, 59 minutes and 44 seconds, close-up of Brandon's hand in gun pocket. And then the last two, uh, segment starts at 109.51, ends on blackout on lid of chest. And finally, end of movie starts at 114 and ends with end of film. And that is your 10 segments of the movie. Yeah. I have a rather prehistoric DVD of this, and it's so tough mm-hmm. because the, the you, you see the back, and then like it just like for a minute cuts to nothing, and then goes mm-hmm. to the next one. And I was like, oh man, the quality's too good. Like I wish you could <laughs> use the film. Like, I wish I could just see this on like yeah. a film strip the, or something. The, just the hard cut. <laughs> yeah. um, Hitchcock told Francois Truffaut in the book length Hitchcock Truffaut that he ended up reshooting the last four or five seconds because he was dissatisfied with the color of the sunset. Um, can, can you uh, email me the link to that uh, Hitchcock Truffaut book? Because I just heard the title of that, and it's like, oh, I'm in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, I got that you. sounds great. It's a great documentary as well. Yeah, very good. Oh, cool. <laughs> Wait, I don't have yeah. to read? Hell yes. Yeah, it's really <laughs> exactly. good. <laughs> uh, moving on to probably the quickest Maestro's Corner we've ever done. Uh, this, this score was composed yeah. by David, I don't even know, Rudolf and Francis Polonik. Uh, Jack, you're our music guru here. Do you have anything to say about the score of this movie? Um, they did the opening music. <laughs> May, this is probably like Bernard it. Herman's <laughs> Bernard Herman's interns or something. He's like, look, you got to make one track. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I, I got nothing on the on the score. <laughs> this is yeah. pretty much yeah. the opening, and that's about it. <laughs> And I'm assuming yeah. there was I, – I, I genuinely can't remember now because I'm just focused on the action too much. There's music in the party, correct? Or Like Brandon – or I, I think it's Bra- – Brandon plays the piano or Philip. I can't remember which name's which. One of them plays the piano. Mm-hmm. The movie was released on August 26, 1948. Uh, the budget... oh, damn it. We missed it by one day. <laughs> <laughs> the budget was 1.5 to two million and the box office was two point two million in rentals or two point seven four eight million dollars. Uh yeah. Go what ahead, does that translate to now? That's what I'm curious about. Say, like, is that a lot, lot for them? Yeah, I was gonna say like the uh, rentals, like I don't know what that exactly like dictates. Like is it like the number of theaters that like rent in a print or whatever? I'm even like, curious that's about the, the budget, I, too. That's yeah like box office. It sounds goes. it sounds like uh, I don't know maybe Shaw would know this. Do you remember the closed circuit era? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not God. sure if that's what it it it, 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 it like correlates to because I remember the closed circuit era is so Hunter and Jack. If you don't know like about this, so like in the '80s, a lot of like the a lot of studios or just companies itself used to rent out theaters in certain cities, and you used to only air a movie. A it's kind of like what Fathom does. But in an, even, in an even smaller experience, that only maybe like 10 cities in the entire country were able to watch this specific movie or event. That's So that's kind of the way, that's what maybe I think rentals correlates to close circuit, but I don't know. Um, so two, $2 million then is like $25 million today, roughly. All right. Yeah. $25 million budget for this movie. That's actually quite a lot, I thought. <laughs> Thinking about it. 
Stewart, 19, 1948, could that have been, you know, the draw there? Like, you know, star could salary? Have been, yeah. but. Obviously, Hitchcock had won Best Picture, so he doesn't come too cheaply, I guess. Yeah, that is oh, true. Oh, that was Rebecca. Yeah, that already happened. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of its trophy room, Rofe holds a score of 92% on RT. Uh, as always, I feel like we're always talking about this with Hitchcock. Contemporary reviews were mixed. Uh, Variety said Hitchcock could have chosen more entertaining subject with the use of arresting the camera and staging technique displayed in rope. The continuous action and the extremely mobile camera are technical features where in which industry craftsmen will make much to the layman audience effect is a distracting interest. Sure. Ooh. Yeah, boo indeed. Um, <laughs> zero Oscars. I mean, uh, yeah. it's Hitchcock, though. There's this type of movie ain't going very weird. Jack, who's our winner that year, by the way? 48? Yeah. Oh, Hamlet. Hamlet. Come on. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. tough. That's Hamlet, baby. Hamlet was so good. Yeah. <laughs> I, sure. I'm not. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'd, <laughs> no, give it, I'd, I, give it, I'd give it to Rope, too. But, like, Hamlet's good. And, like, I remember I watched Hamlet for the first time, and I was just like, wow, this is actually, like, because I've seen it a million times in plays and stuff. And I was, mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed with Olivier's 800th Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, over the last couple of years, uh, Rope has been, there have been uh, homosexual subtexts between the characters of Brandon and well, Philip. Uh- Subtext. Subtext. Come on. Yeah. 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 I like I mean, the, 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 the gaydar in the 1940s was real low. I was like, subtext. Yeah. If there it, was a gay audience in the 40s, they, they were seeing this movie. That's like, true. They knew it. This is they a Judy Garland it. type of thing right here. <laughs> yeah. In, in 1995 documentary film adaptation of Vito Russo's book, The Celluloid Closet, uh, it stated, I don't think the censors at the time realized this was about gay people. They didn't have a clue what was and what wasn't. That's how I got by. In the same documentary, it was stated, we knew that they were gay. Yeah, sure. I mean, nobody said anything about it. This is 1947. Let's not forget that. But that was one of the points of the film in a way. And it's true. I mean, I... I yeah. Listen, we're looking Which at Hitchcock. So, so the guy got, like, North by Northwest's ending. I mean... The guy knows Hold on! This is our second here. guest. Oh in the, this is our second guest in the in the back to back. What do you do? You like the ending of North by Northwest? I absolutely adore the. Yes, ending. another <laughs> win, Jack. Like, you, like, you listen, <laughs> like you just see like this perverted Hitchcock, who is this like absolute deviant, just smiling in the edit bay. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, come on! I, I just adore that kind of stuff. Granted, it happens quick, where she's hanging off of uh, Mount Rushmore immediately to a train bed. <laughs> That that, that 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 that's what is my only like. Eh, like I mean, I mean Harry Grant's about to, has his about to get laid smile. Um, oh yeah, you know, probably would have rather been lifting. And then just up like the that big little shot of them just going in the tunnel, you know what's happening? Amazing. So green, so green. Um, all right, cool. What age the best? Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. National Film Registry. Oh yes. Get, oh. On, get on. Get on it. It's not. They in. don't have it. Not what? In. Not. Oh. In. This is I, I discrimination. Think, Aren't there commercials in there now? Like, let's, let's for, tackle this first. Yeah, let's yeah, have the on. lobbies in there. Like, like yeah. it, it, everything's open. I think only I, the big four are in there. Um, yeah. I don't think. His British stuff. Oh, wait, no, National, sorry. The Strangers, <laughs> yeah. <be> in there. <laughs> the strangers on a Train, isn't it? Oh. Uh, no. Wow. I Maybe they want to spread it out. They're like, yeah. 
but still, come no, on. No one oh, ballot voters. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Strangers on a Train is notorious, is, and then obviously like, the big four. So still have something to catch up on. Okay. Still needs, awesome. yeah, still needs that one. Jack, keep it rolling. What do you got for what seems the best year? Okay. Uh, well, the obvious one, we'll just go ahead and get it out. One take movies. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. That experiment seemed to have panned out, I would say, for Hitchcock. Um, I think the paranoia in this one specifically just is at an all-time high, both and like, how we're feeling and how, like, Farley Granger is just playing that whole character. Just how nervous he is throughout the whole movie. I really, really love. Um, the debatable Hitchcock cameo. Uh, the purple light in the background for, like, that one moment where they're like, oh, it's him. It's him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the James Mason conversation kind of felt like a Marvel name drop when I was like, oh, North by Northwest, there it is. James there Mason is. will return. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think just, like, kind of the notability of every character, like, contra- contrasted with Vertigo last week, where there's maybe, what, like, four? When there's, like, a lot of people in the movie, actually. Like, every person in Rope is, like, pretty distinguishable and, like, unique. And so everyone kind of plays a role. Another thing that I think kind of goes into the whole play aspect that I know um the, D- the DVD of Rope that I have has a documentary called Rope Unleashed, and Arthur Lawrence was talking about, kind of, he wrote it in a place that's that, like, every character should kind of be doing something, otherwise they're just standing on stage doing nothing, so he felt that the movie should be the same. Nice. Hunter, what do you got here? Uh, I said the camera work, every big filmmaker should have their long take movie. Uh, and I, especially for Hitchcock, where it, back in the day, the cameras, if you look at the picture, the cameras are like Zambonis, basically. They're just, they're just <laughs> massive things. So I'm like, and there's, it's, it's a, it's a feature, not a bug that they like, they zoom in on his back and they zoom out. It's so obvious they had to hide it. But I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. This is like, how do you deal with this big problem you have in the time where you could only go to 10 minutes and it's Hitchcock doing it well. And then moving on the final shot where I think Hitchcock is just like North by Northwest, the final shots of his movies are pretty much masterpieces Perfect, yeah. all themselves. <laughs> like Jack, Vertigo you, you last week. You need to, come on, man. Wait, yeah. I, I, when did I shit on this final I know, moment? but North by Northwest. Yeah. You gotta get off. You gotta fix <laughs> like, that. Take. Yeah, Vertigo has a great final shot. This one where it's just all three characters. One's, I think Brandon's at the piano, and then there's Jim Stewart mm-hmm. in that scene. Oh, it, it, it's such a good way to go out. And this is me personally. The runtime is H the best. I mm-hmm. do. My uh, thing with Hitchcock movies, they're all two hours long, but I'm like, man, if it was like 100 minutes, this would be really something. And this is 70 minutes. I'm like, perfect. Just just distill this all into just one neat package. So, But that's me personally. So. For sure. So you guys touched on a lot of this stuff. Sean, do you have anything here? Um, I'll say, uh, yeah, first of all, forewarning, um, you sent me that list of categories and I immediately broke out in hives. So I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> uh, but, wing it. Uh, do your thing. That's, that's I'll say uh, J- James Stewart's uh, indictment of capital punishment, whether it was meant to be or not, is uh, mm. a very solid ending where I'm just like, I, the, the, like the couple of times I've watched this, I'm like, oh, he's uh, th- this. I don't think a lot of people are seeing that that is what this is like being said here. And mm. maybe it's only unintentionally being said. Um, and also just, uh, you know, what's age great is uh, hating parties and wanting them to end. And uh, that's something that, <laughs> as I've grown up, it's like, like that was part of my anxiety, not them trying to get away from murder, but me just desperately wanting to leave the party. For sure. Uh, Hunter touched on the final shot. I love the opening shot of this movie. 
with mm. with the rope itself and the murder taking place. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Jack that that may not that almost didn't happen, and just that shot is just gorgeous. Uh, Technicolor, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. looks great, it's stunning. Uh, I kind of mentioned the whole comparison to Succession and what the upper class can get away with. I uh, that's definitely age well. Just a minimalistic approach in this Hitchcock film, aged beautifully, uh, and play adaptations. Uh, what's age the worst? I'll, I'll kick it off because I don't really have that much. Um, do you th- the use of the supporting actor as, in the title card because it literally just reads James Stewart and they don't even mention the two leads of the movie at all <laughs> in the title fine. card. That's uh, the marketing that's fine, decisions though. right there, baby. Those yeah. are the Warner Brothers up there. That's how it goes. Um, honestly, this is can't even couldn't even think of anything jokey to, to throw here. I I don't have much. Jack, what do you got here? John Dahl looking like Kroger brand Ben Affleck. I, think, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched the movie and I'm just like, it kind of looks like Ben Affleck a little bit. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean like. An hour 20 movie, kind of as simplistic as this, it's kind of hard to do much wrong, honestly. For sure. Hunter, do you have anything here? Uh, my only one was the reviews for this movie, Hitchcock's view on it. He viewed it as a failure. I'm like, no, you did something. Uh-huh. And he, he just did this movie. He's like, well, I'm never going to do that again. And then I'm just sitting in the corner weeping now. I'm like, God damn it, we had gold. Like, Roger Ebert gave this two stars in the 80s. Oh, the 80s. Roger. Oh, I'm Roger. like, boys, Roger. come on. I'm like, he, he was on the forefront of, like, almost every good movie of those, like, that era. And then just everyone dropped the ball for this movie. We could have had, like, a whole, the cinematic universe of Hitchcock for long mm-hmm. take movies. We could have had it. What about you, Sean? Do you think anything's age Swinging poorly? kitchen doors. Um, yes. That is, that that is awesome a bad idea. Scene, but like literally like the entire party is seeing you dispose of the rope as it swings <laughs> back and forth. And I'm kind of like, listen, that's how you have to show that, and it was yeah. a really cool way to show it, but this ain't going well for you. Um before we get into our categories, what do you think was the highest grossing movie of nineteen forty eight? Oh God, is it a musical? Um, what what, did, what was Disney making that year? Uh, I don't even know this movie to be honest with you. Well, mm. No, I'm probably not gonna get so, it. So, with the highest, with the gross of ten million dollars, the highest grossing movie of 1948 was the Snake Pit. Never heard of that. I've never yeah. heard of it. The uh, two, three, and four. My my uh, Google's now uh, my internet's slowing down for me, so I got four for you. So, Red River was number two, which obviously we've heard of. Uh, one of my favorite bogey movies, Key Largo. Was number three. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. Interesting. And then The Three Musketeers was number four. Okay. Olivia the, de which, was in the snake pit, so that, you know, Olivia's yeah. going to draw a crowd. If you can, if, who's in that Three Musketeers, if you can look it up? Let me see. Just why. Because there's been eight, there's been eight billion <laughs> versions. I want to see who was who the 40s version of it. Uh, I'm going to re- reboot my internet on my phone Errol and then I'll get that for you. I was going to say Errol Flynn, come on. Uh, but oh, it, he's, probably, he's probably the 20s Errol or 30s. Douglas well, this is lo- well, my phone's rebooting. Joe Spinell, that guy, or Jack, is it John Dahl and Fairly Granger and we can just move on? For best supporting player? No, for that guy. I mean, it's... Oh. That guy. Yeah, it's Harley Granger probably just because I... I see him in Stranger on the Train. I'm like, oh, it's the guy from Rope. And then I see Stranger on the Train. I'm like, oh, and I see Rope. And I'm like, oh, vice versa. Uh, Hunter, do you have anyone here or just the same? 
No, only because I've not seen Strangers on a Train yet, so I couldn't do that. But <laughs> but there's another one just like that. Edith Evanson as Mrs. Wilson. She was also in Marnie, which oh, I had just yeah. seen a couple weeks oh, ago. So I was like, yeah. hey, I've seen her. And then I looked on her ID. She was the nurse that walks in after Rosebud thing in Citizen Kane. So she's like the first whoa. person you see. Obviously, like two second roll, but I was like, whoa, that's something to have on your list. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. Sean, do you have anyone here? I will use my time to mention that in 1948, Three Musketeers uh, uh, talked uh, had Gene Kelly, oh, uh, Vincent, hey, hey. Vincent Price, Angela Lansbury, and Gig Young, who you know maybe we don't want to remember oh. that guy, you, but you, uh, hey, you had me at Gene Kelly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Gene Kelly and Vincent Price. All right, I might have to, maybe. The Al- this might be on the, the thing. Yeah. The Albert seventy fifth anniversary this year apparently. Yeah. All right. To... Next week, guys. <laughs> See you guys. The Al Martino miscast award. I I'm gonna go with our leads because I think we can Ooh. get a little a guy that became one of the biggest actors in the world just a few years later, Mr. Rock Hudson, in one of these roles, and mm. I think it would have. Oh. I think it would have worked yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Would he have even wanted to play a coded gay character though? That is true. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. He, like the not even looking. To rock I wasn't Hudson. even. I honestly wasn't even looking at that. I was just looking at yeah. yo, it's fucking Rock Hudson because I, I in a Hitchcock movie. Like, let's go. I think I had actually read that they. Um, I'm pretty sure I actually heard in that documentary that uh, they offered one of the roles to Cary Grant. I think it was the Rupert role, but he said you don't want to be associated with the movie because of it, quote unquote. So. No. Yeah, so it wasn't totally hidden, I guess. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, to, yeah. to add to that 1948 Three Musketeers, Lana Turner's also in the movie. Jeez. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, at, I'm adding this in the list. <laughs> and it's in Technicolor? Yeah, I'm in. But, wow. uh, I'm and Gene Kelly has long hair. They're showing up. Oh, yeah. Let, let's, let's give this there's a, a there's a There's a new like French Three Musketeers out in theaters, I think, right now. It's like actually good, I heard. Uh, so, I don't know. Jack, do you have anyone here? I had a uh, Farley Granger. And any any casting there? Or just oh, oh wait, oh wait. I thought I thought we were still on the other thing. No, I thought it was very well cast, honestly. Yeah. All right, Hunter. No one here. I had no one who was miscast this movie. All I think right. I didn't. Have, I don't think I had anyone Vertigo. So you know, yeah, obviously same. Hitchcock. I mean, every no, you, Hitchcock you movie had, is an A-list movie for Vertigo, Dave. I know, I did. Yeah, you oh did. yeah, I was like, correctly so. But yeah, <laughs> what about you, Sean? Anything, anyone you'd recast here? I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the cast here because uh, I, you know, when we talk about that Hitchcock cameo, there's no good way to do a quick Hitchcock cameo here, and like putting him in there too long would be dicey. But having him be one of the old fogies, like I'm thinking about like uh, Henry Kentley or something like that, but I, it wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work. But that's the only thing I could think of is like getting him in there a little bit better. I'm going to skip the next two because there's not much to say. The music moment, the opening of the movie, and we called it a day. And then yeah. our black turtleneck guy award, there's no one because I don't Every, everyone kind of does stuff in the movie. I, I, my only one was um, Dick Hogan as David Kentley, the dead body. Oh, okay. there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I said, I said next, next to Daniel Radcliffe and Swiss Army Man, probably the best portrayal of a dead body. Like, Good job. <laughs> um, Thomas, that, was, that was the only answer I had. Thomas Mitchell supporting player award. I mean, it's Jimmy Stewart, right? <laughs> It's so tough to not put him in there. Just when he shows up, like, is that like, would it be wrong to put him as a supporting player? Because once he shows up, he he takes over. Yeah, but can you have a the person who's on the poster? Can they be considered supporting when he is the poster? True. I mean, he's still supporting though. He's so supporting. 
he's whenever he walks in, I'm just like, all right, here we go. Like, a Thomas Mitchell is someone that blends in, so it's tricky with this True. because they, they were like hyping up this professor coming by, and then like the mm-hmm. that entrance was just unbelievable. <laughs> I was gonna say I should add that the Jimmy Stewart performance this time around is kind of standoffish and kind of it feels like weird compared to like what you would expect beforehand. For sure, so, as as a teacher. We all hate a certain type of student, and I can tell yeah. that Stuart hated these things. <laughs> I mean, I could tell and before before like they murdered uh, someone. Like he yeah. like he like went into that party being like, I don't want to be here. I don't know why mm-hmm. I'm here. <laughs> the Icebox MVP of the film, I just put Hitchcock's direction. That's kind of where. Yeah, yeah. Well, like there was definitely more of a conversation with Vertigo, but I, this is just like the Hitchcock show essentially. Like, sure. So- if we're going to shoot something else to production design, I mean, yeah. I just love a good yeah. solid apartment, you know. It's like, like something <laughs> else I forgot in what's is the best, that goddamn window. What a view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say that that view in New York in 2023 would probably be like four or five grand a year. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, can you run those numbers? Like, that, they would definitely murder a lot more people for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mount Rushmore, is this, for me, it is Hitchcock. No. No. Okay. Yeah. I I, I, I support your endeavor with it. Yeah. Uh, I do, and I I I will never like argue with it because this is a five star film for me. I mean, so but the other the other four are also five star films. Yeah. It's 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 Hitchcock, where his third his third set of Mount Rushmore is still better than like everybody else's filmography. Where it's like, yeah, ranks number nine, ten, and twelve. Those are or eleven, twelve. Those are those are still top ten or top forever. Uh, One take films. Yes. Right. Mount Rushmore. Yes. 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 Uh, single film, single location films. Uh, Twelve Angry Men, Real Window, yeah. Twelve Angry Men. Uh, Dude, damn it, Alien! If it wasn't for the fucking oh, you can't count Alien. If it wasn't for the planet, if it wasn't for the planet, we'd be oh, good. they do. Well, I always forget they wasn't for the planet. planet. <laughs> we'd be good. Uh, I think it is. So, I just got to derail quickly. Look Did Alien get a production design nomination or win? Did Alien? Yeah. Yeah, it got the nomination. Probably. Thank God. Yeah. Okay, good. That would have been on my what the Oscars got wrong. Yeah, that, I, I would have. I would have liked that post. It's a damn. Panic Room, maybe the David Fincher movie, kind oh, of yeah. like. Yeah. It's around there. Oh, I do like Panic Room. That is good. Um, yeah. Movies in real, real time. Because mm. the whole Hitchcock has gone on record saying like the movie's eighty minutes, but in their time it's like 90 minutes mm-hmm. or something yeah, like that yeah because so. it starts like it's like really sunny when the movie starts like by the time mm-hmm. it ends it's like almost into the night yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um ropes in movies Ooh, yeah, one. i gotta think yeah i don't have just ropes on top of yeah. my head that, oh, well, actually you cinematic know what um, rrr <laughs> Um, and their use of Ooh, all the ropes. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> true. That's two very different ways to use a rope. Maybe, yes. maybe Sean, maybe Sean will know this one. The 1990 classic Sidekicks. I don't know this one. Oh my god! What it's so, so it's essentially a poor man's Karate Kid with Jonathan Brandis and Chuck Norris, where oh, this yeah. this boy, he's like 15. He daydreams about Chuck Norris like the entire movie, and. There is a sequence where at the beginning of the movie where he can't climb the rope in gym class. And you know where this goes. Oh, the By the rope, end yes. of the movie, mm-hmm. he's able to climb the rope because Chuck Norris is helping him in his dream. Dude, it's it's poor man's karate kid to, like, on cocaine. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, New York movies, even though that was on stage. But 
just yeah. Well, how about quote unquote well, fake yes. fake New York movies fake up New there York with eyes wide shut? Eyes wide shut. Yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> um, uh, Spider Man Homecoming. <laughs> Easily in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. And, and if we want to throw an honorary series up there for uh, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then finally, play adaptations. Ooh, oh. Well, hey, yes, hey, hey. Amadeus is up there. Amadeus, yeah. Amadeus is a play? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Now I, gotta, well, yeah. I want to see that play. <laughs> I know. It's, it, what did I look it up? Like, Ian McKellen was Salieri in the first version, which I was like, oh damn, that would have been good. God. Nothing yeah, against that for Abraham. That's like my favorite best actor in one of them. So. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. That's all I got. Did I miss anything that you guys wanted to add here for Mount Rushmore? Uh, yeah, I think you hit all the big ones. I mean, I always think about fancy. Like, I, I actually reviewed this for, like, one of those, like, crazy, uh, like, fancy dinner part. Or, no, it was just party movies. And so I was the nerd that. Ah, ooh, that's good. Party movies. <laughs> party movies? Yeah. yeah. yeah party that's a movies, good one. But... What, what would. Not. Don't murder anyone, but what would your thing for. If you had to host a party and you weren't very. Like, a housewarming party and you weren't very excited about it, what would you do to keep yourself entertained? What would you hide or do to try to see if people would notice it? Oh, um, God. I'd maybe mess with all my pictures in my house yeah, and just see if say, anyone like, looks at my pictures. I was like, wait a minute, you know, just to, just to see. I sometimes like, put uh, a banana in my hot car and an air freshener to see which wins. So maybe I'll try that at a party. <laughs> uh, just rotten food and also an air freshener and just like, see which they catch up on. There you go. Hire Bella Danger as an extra to my party and have everyone wondering oh. what she was doing there. <laughs> I, or, would, I, I, would buy, I would buy Target frames and then just not swap out the photos the generic photos in there and then just see what happens that's, <laughs> the, that's 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 what i would do i guess I my real answer i already would, know i wouldn't my real answer would probably be uh me loving the show psych so much i don't know if you guys have seen that just place pineapple all it. over the house oh yes. oh wow i see <laughs> well this is uh minnesota pineapples are not very natural here so i would ask about that um all righty so let's finish up with some trivia not that much here I promise you guys um, since the filming times were so long, everyone on the set tried their best to avoid any mistakes. At one point in the movie, the camera dolly ran over and broke a cameraman's foot. But to keep filming, he was gagged and dragged off set. See, a Zamboni. Those things will kill you. <laughs> Hitchcock is one of our finest directors. Absolute monster of a person. Literally, <laughs> literally, like like James Stewart said, the camera runs over and almost kills him. He's like, ah, don't care, don't care. The camera, camera. The theatrical trailer features footage shot specifically for the trailer, not the movie. I love I, that. I, I was on IMDb in the trailer autoplay now, and it's like a scene. I was like, this does not happen in the movie. It's outdoors. I'm like, this, there's no outdoor <laughs> scene in this movie. I was just like, and then it noticed, I, yeah. I want them to release that same exact trailer for The Boy in the Haran. So that, like, we. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that would be nice. This is Hitch's first color movie? Ooh, yes. yes. Really? I didn't, yeah, think I didn't about that because no, I think Notorious wow. was the only one that was what came prior, right? Prior to this, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I, I don't even yeah connect the eyes because then he just kind of does back and forth between yeah Jack, color and Jack well, he color. Jack kind of nailed this. Eleven years after being mentioned in the film as an ex, Mickey next to the villain James Mason was cast in North by Northwest. <laughs> uh, fun. You mentioned the Cary Grant um, yeah. casting. Montgomery Cliff was the original choice to play Brandon Shaw. Oh, good. Um, and then this is one of Hitch three Hitchcock films in which two character plot 
uh, characters plot to commit the perfect mor- murder. The other one, the other two is Strangers on a Train and Dial M for Murder. Ah, uh, I haven't seen either of those, so that's a problem. Yeah. I haven't seen Dial M yet, but... Yeah. Uh, contrary to popular belief, Alfred Hitchcock's own claim in later interviews, there are several conventional edits throughout the movie, and we kind of touched on what those yep. edits actually are. And that is all I have. Jack, do you have anything that I missed? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we kind of cover everything. Awesome. So that rat. Yeah, I got. I got. Oh, something. you got something. All right, what's up? Yeah. Uh, we talked last week. Vertigo is getting a modern remake. Unfortunately, what would be your remake cast for this? The three main roles. Who would you okay. want to cast? Jeremy Strong. As a college student, is that what you're saying? Oh, okay, we're doing strong as a college student. Kieran Culkin yeah. can play a college student. Kieran Culkin could play one of the two roles. It's... He could play, he could be Philip. I would say I would like the Harley Granger role. Yeah, he could be more scared. I, I think the that... Jimmy Stewart role. Brian Cranston. That seems like the wise. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I did the I did the shallow where the modern day Jimmy Stewart is just Tom Hanks. So I was like, yeah, oh sure, yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. But like yeah. it, that was the easy answer. I think I had I had Joshua Connors Brandon, where he could be a smarmy asshole and be good. So, but I was just like, who would? That's a good question. This one, I wouldn't be opposed to this one being remade just because yeah. it is. It can like, also just breathe new life into it. Which what would, like, would be? Who would you direct? You know, would you have directing? Ooh. Well, only good director. Who's good at uh, like a Zack uh, Snyder? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Although, although the Rebel Moon trailer was not as bad as I thought. Oh, poor, man, movie will probably... poor man's Dune? It is That's so fine. much different stuff but happening. Like, Every single scene probably... is different. <laughs> it'll did probably you, be bad. Did you see the ridiculous thing he said like a few days ago about he already has a director's cut of this movie? I'm like, dude, if you can't, you, you can't make it good from the start, don't bother, man. So apparently but this I... is because Netflix wants like a PG-13 version and an R-rated version, um, mm-hmm. which I... Like I, I don't know. Like the fine Netflix, whatever. <laughs> sure. Uh, damn, I'm thinking of the director before we go. I can't. I know. Like I, I don't want to just say the easy answers. I want someone actually like would be a good one. Antoine directed something. Like who has directed something where it's like a uh, a very uh, small setting? Um, very. I'm trying to think of someone. Ah, oh, God. What movies have had a small setting recently? Not. Really not. Bad. I don't know. How, I don't. I don't know. If oh, Regina. Like Regina, or, Regina like, King. One night in Miami. That would be. Regina Ooh, King, yeah, that, that, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah, because I, 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 I was thinking of the last guy to do a one take movie, and as much as I love Sam, uh, nineteen seventeen, yeah. I don't want Sam Mendes on this. Yeah. I saw Empire. I was like, maybe a, 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 a Steven Soderbergh, I kind of would like. Yeah. Oh, but a Soderbergh, would, I would he love. Would, he would use yeah. an iPhone for it, so I was like, eh, I don't yeah, want. Because he would do that, other so. weird experimental shit with it. Yeah, and I Wait, who directed? Who directed Green Room? Oh, oh, Jeremy, Jeremy Sonnier. He'd be good. Yeah, have we? That's another good one of recent. On the subject of remakes, has there been any movement on the Strangers on a Train, train Fincher remake? Because I was going to say that was the one Hitchcock movie that I would. I want yeah, nothing. I remake. want nothing with a remake. Unfortunately, As I adore that. <laughs> yeah, movie but like, if, if I usually Fincher hate him, but that one sounds kind of yeah. cool. I won't yeah. lie. What's, you know, there's there's the ones like that. It's like I said, the West Side Story with with Spielberg. I'm like, look, if Spielberg wants to do it, he can do it. 
if and Fincher he wants to do something, around he can do a little it. bit. He made some different yeah. like messages to it, which I like. Yeah. You change some things around, you make it a little bit interesting, and the then context you have your of like and you have your I really yeah. found interesting. You got to yeah. You got to be in the top one percent of directors for me to like be like, okay, you you've earned this. Yeah. You know? And if you just do a one to one remake, then like you know, like I, I think about this with all the like god awful live action Disney sh- uh, movies and stuff, and I think the Jungle Book was dope because they did a bit of a different story with it, and so like mm-hmm. I'll. I'll I'll accept it if you're doing something at least for the love of God something different instead of just sure. shot for shot like most of these are. Alrighty, but yeah, that's a good question. I think we should pose that at the end of every podcast. Well, we so, so just no 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 Ghost Van Sant then because no, he already did his, yeah. he already did his, his Hitchcock remake and I he mean, did not work. That movie is 25 years this year, Jack. Oh God, we could have we what well, we could have done with Psycho and Psycho, Psycho Two. That's true. I mean, if I'm not. Busy. We'll see. <laughs> Psycho. Have you seen Psycho Two, Sean? Before we go, you know I have not. I've only I've stuck with only Psycho. It's um, not. But... It's it's good, man. It's good. It's not. I, obviously, check it it's, out. Yeah. obviously, it's not Psycho, but it is. <laughs> it goes in very, Psycho Two and Three go in some wild directions. Like mm-hmm. Psycho Three has to do like a, a complete story with a nun and the Bates Motel, and it's like. Yeah. Oh, so these are just the Conjuring movies now. Okay. No, 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 no <laughs> possession movies, thank God. But yeah, Sean, thank you for joining us this week. This was really fun having you. Uh, where can everyone find you? So I'm available at Math Teacher Movies on Instagram, uh, and also I have a podcast weekly, uh, The Guy at the Movies podcast, with uh, my uh, co-host, Guy at the Movies, so give him a follow as well. We basically go over movie news and the premiere release of, uh, the, uh, of the week, so we have some fun with that. Awesome. Jack? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. You can just look up my name. You'll see what I'm watching. And you'll find us at the League of Cinephiles. Uh, just wrapped up season three, taking a little bit of an off season. But we'll be back for season four before you know it. And Mr. Hunter, who is going away for a few weeks because he'll be at TIFF. Yes, yeah. You can catch me at cinemadispatch.com, Instagram, Twitter. I just finalized my TIFF schedule. 20 eight movies i think it's seven days or six days so i'm testing the conditioning to see if i want to kill myself by the end of this we'll oh, see so then, but I'd, I'd like to do that same on instagram letterbox twitter all that fun stuff but you can find